This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, July 15th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And today I want to start off talking a little bit about diversification. And I know for a lot of people, it's a boring topic. And uh, part of the reason I think people see it as boring is because they just see it, oh, you're, you're, you're investing your stock portfolio amongst different industries. And that's why they see it as boring. That's boring. Well, I got to invest in utilities, consumer staples. That's boring. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about asset diversification. And... You know, I've been saying this for a little while now, and you can see it. We're, we're in a period of time that, where there's going to be a lot of change. You know, going back to the fourth turning, that this decade is about change. And we're going to talk about different ways that this decade will bring about change. And it also means that when change happens, different asset classes behave differently. Now, we talk about equities here a lot. Well, we just went through a decade where equities did very well. Right? Governments, institutions of modern finance really did all they could for the decade to push prices higher. And they did that very well. Some of that very justified. Some of that driven by excess liquidity, central bank put. Now we're in a new decade. And guess what? There's more than one asset class. And it's not just about stocks and bonds either. There's also real estate commodities, currencies. These are all areas that have their day in the sun. Right? We just had a decade where equities had their day in the sun. So what, what is poised to outperform this decade? And what is performed to, uh, poised to underperform? Well, if we just had a decade where stocks and frankly bonds as well, right, with interest rates dropping so dramatically, they both rallied pretty much the whole decade. Right, the 10 year started 2010 around, uh, what, about three, three and a half percent? Where are we here? Yeah. 2010 is right around uh, three points. 7%. We ended the decade with a 10-year 1.6. Now we're at 0.6. So 
and you could say the same thing about all other types of bonds pretty much, right? Is that their prices rallied throughout the decade. So that makes you think, okay, if those two asset classes just had really good decades, what does that likely mean for the next decade? Real estate did fairly well. What well, didn't do well? Commodities didn't do very well. Certain currencies certainly didn't do very well. The dollar did well. A lot of other currencies didn't. So this is a decade where diversification is going to be key. Not to say bonds can't give you decent returns. Not to say equities can't give you decent returns. But when you're investing, nobody knows the future. You don't know the future of anything. But just like in the fourth turning, when you know we're in the crisis period, we're in the fourth turning, we're in the winter period, I know what temperature it is. What are the odds that it's going to be hot or cold based on what season that you're in? And so this is a decade where broad diversification is going to be most important. You're not going to be able to just buy an index and, you know, the S&P and it's going to be gangbusters. Now, the S&P could still go up dramatically and likely will go up throughout the decade. Probably be higher by the end of this decade than it is today. Very good odds. Question is how high, how much higher? And then what is your real return? We've had low inflation for a long time. Inflation creeps up. Suddenly, say a 6, 7, 8% nominal yield will be maybe a 1 or 2% real return. Maybe negative, depending on where inflation is. So, well, diversification is kind of your boring topic. I actually think it's very interesting in today's world. Where the next decade, diversification is going to be important. So I hope that sets things up for today's show and our main talking point, which I'm going to get to in a second. But I'm Justin Klein here on Invest Talk and at my company, KPP Financial. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So we are dedicated to unbiased guidance and we practice parallel investing, meaning our investments right alongside with our clients. That's why you're here. Get that unbiased guidance and share in our success. So now that things are set up, I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I urge you to call sooner rather than later. Now, with everything going on, Steve and I have postponed our portfolio review assessments. If you want to set one up with myself or Steve, just reach out to our Irvine, California office. We can do phone calls, Skype, Jive meetings, etc. Once again, just go to investtalk.com. Now, my, my focus point today involves central banks and how they may have become irrelevant. I think this is an important topic. Remember, this is a decade of change. 
And central banks were a big part of the past 10, 20, 30, even 40 years. But one strategist from Scotland is warning that investors should prepare for inflation rates 4% or more very soon. He thinks in the next year. I think that might be a little bit, uh, I think it's a little bit soon, but we're going to touch on why he thinks that. And in a lot of ways, I agree. So we're going to touch on that topic. Also, safe dividend investing, how to find safe dividends. We're going to give you a few pointers based on some history. Then restaurants, PPP loans, how are restaurants going to be affected longer term? And what industries will that benefit and obviously hurt? And then lastly, there's an increasing chance based on odds makers. This is an opinion. This is people making bets with bookies. There's an increasing chance we have a democratic sweep. But what does that mean for markets if that does happen? So if we have time, we'll talk about that. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And the summer is well underway. We're halfway through the month of July. It is the 15th. So, you know, pre-COVID days seems like a long time ago. And I'm sure you're wanting to get back to normal and markets back to normal. But guess what? They're not. So you still have to be prepared for the market swings that are likely to continue. So I want to hear from you. I want to know what is on your mind. Your participation is as important as ever. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. It's been another Investor Wednesday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility. And you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Ross, calling from Salt Lake City. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a question about Four Star Group. That's F-O-R. They are a subsidiary of DR Horton, and I'm wondering why their stock is not performing, whereas other builder stocks, including DR Horton's, has bounced back very significantly from March lows. So wondering if you could give me your take on one, why the stock is not performing, and two, if it's worth holding. There's obviously a shortage of homes, which would also correlate to a shortage of lots, and Forstar Group is a lot development company. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, this is a very easy answer, and you are correct that this is Forstar Group, and their it looks like their main business is residential and mixed-use property development. And certainly with tight supply, uh, in the near term, that is helping a lot of these home builders. And this is not going up uh, nearly as much as your DR Hortons or uh, Toll Brothers and other uh, big home builders out there. And the main reason is because they have a mineral resource segment consisting of exploration, development, and production of oil and gas. So they have other exposures here that seem to be a problem. And I think that's the main issue is and, and why you see uh, profits declining and, and really the business, uh, you know, have, at least from a profitability spectrum perspective, uh, struggling. So 
definitely not my favorite home builder because I'd rather have something that's more of a pure play on the space. So that's four-star group. It's because they have some oil and gas exposure, and that's why it's underperforming. Let's go to Joe in Oakland looking at Caterpillar. Looking to buy it or give it away? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to buy. I'm a, I'm a relatively new investor. Um, I was looking to I was looking at it earlier this week, sitting around uh, 125, and then um, now it's approaching the 52-week high, and I'm just you know feeling like I'm kicking myself should have just pulled the trigger on Monday. But um, you know, is this something that you know I, I plan to buy and hold long? Um, should I just go ahead and get in anyway that I, I kind of missed the opportunity should I, should I wait for it to come down a little bit uh not entirely sure where i'm sitting at here gotcha well this is caterpillar uh one of the largest manufacturers of construction and mining equipment in the world 75 billion dollar market cap have uh, roughly 30 billion dollars in net debt in their balance sheet pays three percent dividend yield and that is Pretty safe with their pay ratio, only about 41%. Cash to pay ratio, about 52%. So solid there from a cash flow perspective. And they've been growing it, even though revenue recently has been in decline the last quarter. Certainly they're hit by uh, COVID, at least in the near term. But I do think this is a decent play on a potential infrastructure bill. And I do think that will come down the line. If it's a Trump infrastructure bill, I think they'll do better than if it's, say, a Biden infrastructure bill because you know, Caterpillar is about moving big, you know, uh, big equipment, it's big uh, materials, right? Building roads, bridges, et cetera. There, theirs will be more in demand than, say, if you're building... Uh, green energy projects, okay? Not to say they wouldn't be in demand, but from a valuation standpoint, it's not cheap. I would say it's about at value. Um, so you're not getting a bargain here, but it's not super expensive either. It's a little overbought in the near term, so if you are looking to buy it, I would probably wait for a pullback into around the 130 mark. Thanks for the call, Joe. Listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein, and Steve and I have just finished recording our answers to 30 voice bank questions. It's called the new InvestTalk Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. Check it out over at investtalk.com. But now I'm ready to take your calls live at 888 chart This is InvestTalk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Uh, hi, Justin and Steve. This is Krish from New Jersey. I enjoy listening to your uh, podcast very much. I have a question about a company called AbV, ticker symbol ABBV. Is this a good company to take some positions now? So I'm looking forward to your answer. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This is AbV. They develop uh, pharmaceutical products to treat immunology, virology, gynecology, and other diseases. $148 billion market cap. We do own this in one of our strategies, our cover call strategy. So it yields 4.7% per share, roughly. 
And uh, we like AbbVie. Uh, they just bought Allergan, which I think was a great purchase. They do have some patent cliff issues with uh, their largest drug. Uh, I think I'm... I think Humira is the is the name of it. Uh, so there are some issues there, but they're well run, good, consistent cash flows, and we really like uh, we really like the business. So uh, definitely one of our top pharma names. That's Abvi. A B B V is the symbol. It's a little overbought at the moment, but uh, pullbacks should be bought in my opinion. 8899 chart. 8892 Let's talk a little about inflation. And our focus point today is about a very interesting article is written by Russell Napier. He's, uh, he's actually European. And the title of his recent interview is Central Banks Have Become Irrelevant. Now, before, after the last financial crisis, central banks were central to getting the economy back on track. Whether that was lowering interest rates to zero, printing money to buy financial assets, etc. They were central to getting the economy going again. Now they did, but it wasn't great growth, right? Very modest growth, 2%, 3% at best. And that's because they were very limited in their power. When we do certain things. They can buy assets and that those assets go on bank balance sheets and banks can only buy financial other financial assets. They can't really spend it in the economy. Now, what Napier argues is that politicians just gain control of the money supply. Right? The, the Fed and the Treasury are now basically one. And we know this. There's a reason that Treasury or the Fed is supposed to be independent. Supposed to not be influenced by politicians. Why? Because when that happens, inflation tends to go up. Why? Because politicians like to spend. They want to spend more, not less. They want to do more, not less. Sometimes that can be good. Sometimes that can be bad. You can argue either way. And I'm not here to argue that. What I'm arguing and what Napier is arguing is that they are no longer independent. I mean, the Federal Reserve is no longer independent. They're now controlled by the Treasury. And the Treasury is controlled by Congress, the politicians. So politicians have now gained control of the money supply. And he argues that they're not going to give it back. And I agree with that. He sees it as a beginning of a new era of financial repression where politicians will make sure that inflation rates go up. They're not going to rely on central banks anymore. The central banks, at least the Fed and most other central banks, all they can do is print money to enable spending. It's what they did at this last stimulus package. It's what they're going to do going forward. We know that. The Fed is monetizing all the debt that is being created. And so when Congress goes and spends, the Fed's there to simply print and enable it. Once again, I'm not arguing whether they should or shouldn't. I'm arguing that that's what that's happening. And the fact that it was so easy to convince the Fed to do that means politicians now 
know where the money is going to come from. And they need to inflate away the debt. Politicians don't want prices going down. It makes them look bad. Look at Trump. He just wants the market to go up. That's all he cares about. It's a lot like typical politician. And it's the only way that we're going to reduce, in real terms, the, the debt levels, is to inflate it away. Now, for years, Napier argues that the money supply growth has been pretty meager. And that's why you haven't seen big inflation. On top of that, you have deflationary force of globalization. But historically, M2 growth has been pretty modest over the last 30 years. But that's now changing. M2 is growing at more than 23%. The last time you've seen those levels, the Civil War. That was the last time you saw M2 money growth hit those levels. Now, the market's not buying it yet. The market's not pricing in this inflation yet. The market's thinking this is a short-term aberration. But if you pay attention, he argues, to who's responsible now for money creation, which are now the politicians, it's unlikely to stay that way. So after the break, I'm going to get to the rest of this because I think it's very important to cover. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models 
and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein Investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. And before the break, I discussed how politicians now have control of our, our money creation, our money supply, and that they have different goals and incentives than what central banks have, right? They need this inflation to get rid of the, or lower the debt to GDP ratio, right? It was high going into this crisis and it's only going to get higher. Now governments create money through the banking system typically. And what they're going to do is something similar to what PPP, PPP, they they call them loans, but they're really just grants, but you're going to have something similar to where politicians back the loans and they put out the loans. Think of green bonds, for example. And they'll back those bonds by a government guarantee. And politicians are starting to realize they have a very powerful tool in this. And this will creep. It'll creep. That's what Napier argues. It'll creep towards other mechanisms to get money out into the system to achieve political ends for politicians inflation is the cheapest way out of this mess that we have with debt to gdp and credit guarantees are not fiscal spending right it's easy to throw a guarantee look at look at fanny and freddie been throwing that guarantee on for a long long time what does it really cost the government? Not really anything. They're always in there to, to, to back it. So if you're an elected politician, this is an easy way to get things passed without worrying about a budget. But it increases your money supply in the economy. So this is the next leg, the final leg of financial repression. And we did this back in World War II. We did this through the 60s and 70s when we're fighting the Vietnam War. We had huge budget deficits and central banks didn't really step up and push inflation down. They allowed it to continue to go. They allowed politicians to continue to spend. 
Now, Napier believes he'll see, we'll see 4% inflation sometime by 2021. I think that's a little fast, but what he's saying is velocity of money has dropped from about 1.4 to 0.8 now, right? Because we're not, we're not spending money like we did six months ago. But the money supply is dramatically up. So if we just recover back to the previous velocity of money, you're going to see big inflation. Now, the biggest question here that I still have not answered for myself is what will happen to bond yields? Will they go up? Now, Napier argues that it's going to be, a, it's going to be hard for the Fed, central banks, to institute what is called yield curve control, meaning keeping rates low if inflation is rearing its ugly head. And in a way, I agree with him. So that's, that's where the connection between real estate is very important. You know, typically, when inflation goes up, real estate does well. Why? Because people are getting paid more. Your income goes up to keep up with inflation. So it happened in the 70s. But if interest rates go up, well, your cost of finance suddenly goes up as well. So it offsets. But if, the, if governments and central banks can keep those rates down, then maybe you would see inflation in real estate. And even stock prices, right? Stock prices have been elevated because of lower interest rates. So this is what I'm talking about. This 2020s are going to be very, very interesting when it comes to different asset classes because you're going to have a lot of gyrations. There can be a lot of headwinds, maybe higher interest rates in a lot of ways. There can be tailwinds, money printing, uh, government spending. That in a lot of ways can be a tailwind. So a lot of cross currents in this decade. Let's go to Rob in Illinois. Let's talk about gold. Hey, what's going on, Justin? How you doing? Doing well. Good. I had a quick question. You want to talk, you want to talk about random. gold, huh? Um, yeah, gold. Um, I was actually given physical gold coins like Troy ounces. I've been watching the gold price and seeing it's at a point right now that it's pretty high. Um, is this probably a decent time to do that? And do you even know about like where you would go to sell that or a good idea on what you would want to do with that? Well, I think it's a better time to be buying gold versus selling gold. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you agree with that? And then huh. if you do agree, then you say, okay, do I want to hold it as physical? Or do I want to hold it maybe in GLD, which is more liquid, right? If you need cash, you can, in a brokerage account, you can sell GLD and get your money. That's a little riskier way to do it, right? Because a lot of people that own physical gold worry about the financial system, et cetera. I don't really worry about that as much. So I would say you could also sell it. By gold miners, that's going to go up a lot faster than the gold price, typically. That's a risk, even riskier way to hold 
gold or get exposure to gold. So it's really up to you how you want, if you want to maintain exposure to gold and how you want to hold that exposure. If you already have it, you know, you, and, and you do want to turn it in, there are dealers. Um, I don't have one that I can recommend, but you're going to pay some sort of a, a spread where you're not going to get the full price for the gold, but you can go sell it at a gold dealer. That's for sure. They'll take, they'll take their little commission. Personally, I would just hold it if I were you, as long as you have a safe place to keep it. Thanks cool. for the call, Rob. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from our listener in Miami. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Charles from Miami Beach. I wanted to get your take on DHS, Diversified Healthcare Trust, as part of a real estate component of my investments. I'm wondering if about 385 would be a good uh, price to pick this up at. Thank you very much. All right, DHC is the symbol, Diversified Healthcare Trust. This is a REIT. Uh, yields 11.7%, and it looks like that's been cut a little bit here. Let me see what they've cut their dividend to, because trailing, it was 14.5. Now it's at 11.76. Yeah, they've cut their dividend from, ooh, in 2018, 39 cents down to a penny now. What this is telling me is, yeah, they have a lot of debt. Market cap a billion, enterprise value of four and a half, so three and a half billion dollars in debt. Remember, these are REITs, real estate investment trusts. These have these are pass-through entities, meaning they they cannot, by law, retain much of their cash flows, and that's the issue here, is that they've been continuing to add more and more debt, and their payout ratio is pretty tough, negative 131 percent. You know, it's high risk. I don't think that that is going to be sustainable. Let me actually, if you're talking about a penny a share now, I don't think that yield, yeah, that's not, you're not going to get that yield. That number that I'm looking on my system is incorrect because you're talking a penny a share per quarter, that's four cents. You're talking about 1% yield. So that dividend is basically gone, and I'm sure they're looking to repair their balance sheet. Technically, it looks poor. I would absolutely pass on this. There are definitely better names in the space, in the healthcare REIT space, uh, and I don't like the debt levels, and your dividend is basically gone. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to hear from you. I'm ready to answer any of your questions with unbiased answers. For anything finance or investment related, I want to hear from you. So we're taking your calls live right now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener line is open, 888-99-CHART. I am calling from Tennessee. I'm looking to buy 
Hannon Armstrong Sustainable Infrastructure, H-A-S-I, is a way to get into renewable energy. It uh, looks like it's been growing consistently over the last few years, and uh, just wondering, is does this look like a good buy? And if so, what would be a, a good price point for entry? Thanks a lot. All right, this is Hannon Armstrong Sustainable Infrastructure Capital, Inc. This is also a REIT, but they provide debt and equity financing for sustainable infrastructure projects throughout the United States. And we like this name. We actually own it uh, also in our covered call strategy. Yields about 4.1%. And revenue last quarter up 23%. Earnings up 33%. It's, I think, a little bit ahead of itself in the near term. But I like the name. It's uh, in, in the REIT space. I think they can have potential tailwinds from an infrastructure bill. Certainly will do better if Biden wins than, I believe, if Trump wins. Because Trump will... I don't think I'll focus much on green energy projects as Biden will when with an infrastructure bill. You just look at what uh, Biden unveiled versus what Trump unveiled. So uh, I really like this space, and I think this is a name that makes sense. So that was Hannon Armstrong Sustainable Infrastructure. This is H-A-S-I is the symbol. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question. We have 10-ish minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call... You want to do it right now. Let's get into what I want to get into. Let's let's touch on. Oh, we're going to go to caller. Let's go to BJ in Cupertino. Who wants to talk about diversification. Hey, uh, Justin. Thanks. Uh, so uh, basically, now that the interest rates are so low, uh, mm-hmm. one question is whether it's a good time to have bonds and also. Um, I mean, currently I'm getting like standard deduction. I don't know how to itemize to know that the standard deduction is high. So is it good to pay off some mortgage? Pay off your mortgage? Well, paying off a mortgage is a conservative approach, right? You're guaranteeing yourself you are not paying that interest, whatever amount you're paying off. So you're, it's, it's a guarantee return to yourself. Because if you don't, then you're guaranteed to be paying it, right? But that money now is tied up in your house. So you're not able to use it. Now, with interest rates so low, suddenly the opportunity cost can be very high. And this is, des- this is designed by the Fed and central banks to do that. To make it so you putting money towards a mortgage or paying off any low interest debt becomes unpalatable because you can earn higher yields elsewhere. So it depends on, are you trying to be aggressive? Are you trying to be conservative? Aggressive would be not taking that money and actually buying real assets, equities, gold, etc. So what type of investor are you, BJ? Are you aggressive, conservative? Yeah, it seems like my portfolio shows it is aggressive, but uh, now that I'm not getting interest reduction, so I thought, yeah, but I'm not, yeah, uh, really sure. See, I, what you're saying is makes sense, just that I may be tied up too much into the equity and then I don't have diversification. That's why I'm looking at bonds. Uh, so I wanted to know what you think, you know, the rates are so low. About well, bonds I, I would, I definitely wouldn't, to me, it's, I'm going to buy equities or gold or something that will go typically up if inflation rises. 
not something that will go down if inflation rises, where, which would be bonds. And to me, you paying off your mortgage is like investing in a bond, right? It's a guaranteed return. And that's much better than any treasury yield that you're going to get. Now you can go to corporate bonds, but once again, you're taking some risk there. Whereas you can guarantee yourself that what, what's your mortgage rate now? 3%? Uh, kind of 3.25. I'm refinancing to 2.75. Uh, okay. Yeah. So basically you'd be guaranteeing yourself that 2.75. Is that enough for you? You can buy, you can go invest in corporate bonds. You'll get, you know, we're getting for clients four and a half, five percent and that's nicely above the 2.75, but it's also not a hundred percent guaranteed like paying off a mortgage would be pretty safe, but it's not a hundred percent guaranteed. So me, I'm not taking that money and putting in bonds. I'm going to be buying, you know, I like precious metals right now, like gold. So it's one or the other. Something that will protect yourself from inflation or that guarantee of paying down the mortgage. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help your own particular version of financial freedom. Our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, this is Marcus. I was wondering what you thought of Zoom if this is a good time to get in or what you think a uh, long-term plan would be for this process. Well, this is Zoom Video Communication. ZM is the symbol. And $72 billion market cap. And they did revenues trailing 12 months of $828 million, which makes their price to or enterprise value to revenue or market cap to revenue, depending either one, uh, about 87 which is wild. It's super expensive. Enterprise value to EBITDA of $1,363. We typically like that at 13 Now, it's a growth name. Certainly growing its revenues and earnings pretty dramatically, but it's going to have to continue to grow them for an extended period of time. Now, there's a lot of opportunity here with Zoom. I will say that from their business perspective. They uh, are moving into VoIP, uh, you know, not just having video calls, but voice calls as well and, and cross-selling to their user base. There's also expansion overseas, so there's some definite uh, tailwinds for the business there. But it's going to have to grow so dramatically from here to justify the $72 billion market cap, even based on optimistic analyst expectations for next year. Earnings are supposed to be $1.26 for a $256 stock. You're talking about a P ratio of over 200. Looking forward, looking backwards, they only made 35 cents or, uh, in 2020. So it's just very expensive. Uh, 
I think the work from home thing will continue, but you're going to have to find a much better price for Zoom for me to be interested in it. Probably 50% down from here for me to think, okay, maybe the growth, they can actually grow into that valuation, but 72 billion uh, with 328 million in sales last quarter. Way too expensive for me. Let's touch quickly on dividends. Uh, This was a very interesting study and it was by Morningstar and they looked at sustainable dividends. How, what, what factors make a dividend sustainable? And there were two factors. One was an economic moat. And then looking at their distance till potential bankruptcy. So how much assets they have compared to liabilities. And a lot of people run into trouble when they look at dividends, when they're dividend investing, because they're just looking at the dividend yield and they're not understanding the underlying business that is supplying that dividend and the balance sheet that is supplying that dividend. During the last financial crisis, a lot of people or a lot of investors got in trouble because they were looking at backwards looking metrics, dividend history, dividend growth history, and they weren't analyzing the underlying business. They were being lazy. And so if you're looking for sustainable dividends, you need to be an investor in companies. Remember, just like governments, just like any entity, there needs to be sustainable sustainability to their business and those cash flows in order for you to continue to get that dividend. Now, when it comes to dividend stocks, a lot of people think, well, if interest rates rise, dividend stocks will go down. It's not necessarily true. Once again, dividend is only one factor. And oftentimes, dividend investing is just simply value investing. And so when interest rates go up, that affects growth stocks more than dividend stocks or value stocks. That's why I say it's very important to see where interest rates will be going from here. That's why you're seeing these growth names have such dramatic valuations because of the financial repression, because of low interest rates. If that reverses, it's going to impact the growth side of the market far more than the value side, which is typically the dividend side. I'm Justin Klein. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return tomorrow. In the meantime, please remember to download our June Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. It is free. You can get it right now. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Please tell your friends about our podcast. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. 
Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 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 